Eh, I think I'll just stay here. Fry, you're wasting your life sitting in front of that TV. You need to get out and see the real world. But this is HDTV. It's got better resolution than the real world. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to the Tech Weasel Podcast for May 8th, 2020. As always, I'm your host, Paul Huizinga. Uh, Coop is out this week recovering from having his harbles removed, so Sebastian is on the board today and Bell is taking calls. Now, this is a milestone podcast. It's number 10. Who would have guessed my attention span would be this long? Now, every week I think, man, what am I going to come up with for a podcast topic? And then, like some cosmic claw machine that's finally ready to pay out, my brain drops something random into the prize chute. This week, uh, we're going to do a top ten list in honor of the occasion. Now, I know a lot of you are existing this kind of timeless, what day is it dream world while you're stuck at home. And it can really screw up your sleep schedule, too. If you don't have to be working remotely at any given time in the morning, it's hard to, you know, get yourself to go to sleep on a regular schedule. Now, I've been freelancing for a couple of years now, so my sleep hygiene is a mess, and I often find myself awake at 25 or 6 to 4 watching some guy pick locks on YouTube or trying to find a movie to doze off to that I haven't seen a dozen times already. So the Cosmic Claw Machine happened to grab the idea of insomnia theater as a topic. So I sat down and I came up with a list of movies from the 1980s that are worth watching, but that have probably fallen off your radar even if you saw them back in the day. On Netflix, there's a series called The Movies That Made Us that shows behind-the-scenes details for four different movies from that era that definitely aren't forgotten. Die Hard, Ghostbusters, Home Alone, and Dirty Dancing. Of course, everybody remembers those. But there was a whole slew of movies that came out in that decade that are definitely worth watching, and if your family had HBO in the early 90s, you may have seen most of them, but you probably forgot how great they were. So without further ado, here's my list of the top ten movies to doze off to while we sit around and wait until we're not grounded anymore, and they're arranged by release date. Number one is from 1982, Kayana Life Out of Balance. Now, out of all the movies on this list, this is the most artsy by a long shot, and by artsy I mean 420 compatible. It's an experimental film with a soundtrack by Philip Glass that's full of, like, slow motion and time-lapse footage of urban life and technology that they then contrast with natural landscapes. Now, back in the day, if you wanted to be pretentious, you'd throw this one in the VCR and let it roll in the background at your party. There's no dialogue or narration, making it a good one to snooze to, though there's a bit of nightmare fuel in it, so use it at your own risk. Number 2. 1983's High Road to China You may remember an obscure little movie that came out in 1981 called Raiders of the Lost Ark. In the decade that followed, there were a lot of films that tried to hitch a ride on its coattails. And some of them, like, you know, uh, Alan Quartermain and The Lost City of Gold, were just raging dumpster fires. Now, High Road to China was marketed in a way that was designed to take advantage of Raiders' success because it was also an adventure movie set in the period between world wars. But it was actually good. Tom Selleck, in his first major starring role, plays an alcoholic barnstormer pilot hired by socialite heiress Bess Armstrong to search for a missing father, who was played by Wilford, Wilford Brimley. They travel from Istanbul, not Constantinople, across Asia and eventually end up in, you guessed it, China, where Dad is involved in this fight between a village and a local warlord. Hijinks and romance ensue, and a good time is had by all. Now, as it turns out, this movie was actually in development before Raiders, 
and the rumor is that it was kind of like a consolation prize for Selleck, who had to bow out of consideration for the role of Indiana Jones because of his commitments to Magnum P.I. Now, I want to send out a special thank you to my old friend Andrew Lebrecht for suggesting this one for the list. Number three, March of 1984, Romancing the Stone. Now, here's another film that got marketed like a Raiders ripoff, even though it's got nothing in common with it other than a guy in a spiffy hat. Kathleen Turner plays a romance novelist who longs for adventure to escape her boring real life, and in a pretty dark turn that totally gets yada yada for the rest of the film, her sister's Colombian husband gets murdered off-screen, but not before he sends her a treasure map in the mail. Bad guys come looking for it, her sister gets kidnapped by another set of bad guys, and she has to go to Cartagena to ransom her sister with the map. Of course, she gets lost along the way, and she meets Michael Douglas's character, the aforementioned guy in the spiffy hat. Now, he's a parrot smuggler, let, let that sink in for just a second, but he's not above the side hustle of helping her for a price. Danny DeVito, who was almost unbelievably was already 40 years old at the time, plays one of the kidnappers and provides comic relief. There's a couple of absurd chase scenes, there's terrible gunfire foley work, and frankly, even for a 1984 Robert Zemeckis movie, the music is truly terrible. But on the upside, Kathleen Turner spends about 75% of her screen time soaking wet, so there's that. It did well enough at the box office to get a sequel to the very next year, The Jewel of the Nile, which shows you the astonishing speed movies could get cranked out during this era. And in case you're wondering, the title Romancing the Stone is actually a jeweler's term for the process of examining an uncut stone and deciding how to make the crucial first facet to create the largest possible gem with the fewest flaws. Number 4, June 1984, Bachelor Party. Now, before Tom Hanks became America's most beloved dramatic actor, and then an, insuff an insufferable douche, he was best known for screwball comedy. Bachelor Party is peak comedic Hanks from the 80s, and despite having a paper-thin plot that revolves around all the usual misunderstandings, jealous exes, suicidal best friends played for laughs, and sight gags, Hanks is just so strong in it that it's still fun and funny today. Plus, it's got Tawny Katane in her pre-coked-out-of-her-mind-and-husband-beating days, so it's got that going for it, which is nice. I had totally forgotten about this one myself, so a big thank you goes out to my friend Anna Marciano for reminding me of it. Number 5, December 1984, Runaway. Here's the second Tom Selleck vehicle on our list, written and directed by none other than Michael Crichton. Before he scored big with movies about killer dinosaurs, there was this movie about killer robots that weren't Arnold Schwarzenegger. In this near-future science fiction movie, Selleck plays a cop assigned to the low-prestige pre low runaway squad that deals with malfunctioning robots after a personal trauma causes him to let a bad guy get away in a chase. Of course, he's got an eager young partner, played by Cynthia Rhodes, to offset his cynical, world-weary outlook, and the two try to get to the bottom of an escalating series of robot homicides. That's homicides committed by robots, not robots being killed. Anyway, Gene freaking Simmons is our bad guy in this one, and they threw in Kirstie Alley at the perfect time in her career when her hair was only the second biggest thing about her. Now, I'm allowed to make jokes about that because I'm fat too, by the way. While it's no Terminator which came out earlier in the same year. It's still a fun movie, and it's worth watching just for Gene Simmons' performance. Number 6, September 1985, After Hours. Here's one of the real sleepers on our list, pun intended. This might just be the least well-known movie Martin Scorsese ever made. It's a black comedy about a data entry worker played by Griffin Dunn. You, you remember him, right? 
He meets a girl in a cafe after work. He tries to romantically pursue her, but he ends up in an increasingly surreal set of situations through unlikely and unfortunate coincidences. It basically turns into a survival horror comedy, and if you fall asleep during part of it and then wake up a little later on, you can jump right back in wherever you happen to be in the movie without really being any more confused than you would be if you'd paid attention to the whole thing. Number 7. November 1985. To Live and Die in L.A. I suspect this movie had at least some influence on Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan because you notice that they both share some of the same storytelling beats. A young William Peterson, who you'll recognize from CSI before there were ten different CSIs, and uh, John Pankow, who you won't recognize from anything but who looks really familiar, they both square off as Secret Service agents on the trail of counterfeiter William Defoe. It's a beautifully shot movie, the story is well written, and it's based on a novel by a real former Secret Service agent, and it has the absolute perfect 80s soundtrack with all original music by Wang Chung. Number 8, January 1985, Fandango. Here's the movie that introduced us to Kevin Costner for better or for worse. It's set during the Vietnam era, and a group of college friends takes a road trip as one last adventure before they have to face the reality of the draft as their deferments have run out. Judd Nelson plays the straight man in the group, and the ensemble cast gets in and out of a series of predicaments along the way. I don't want to spoil any of it, so I'll just say the overall theme is that things never go as planned, but sometimes that's for the best. Now, if you're a fan of the Archer animated series, there's actually an Easter egg that refers to one of the major plot points in this movie in Archer Season 4, Episode 8, titled uh, Coyote Lovely. Number 9. October 1985. Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. This was supposed to be the first in a series of action movies based on a pulp paperback franchise, but it tanked at the box office so we never got a sequel. Fred Ward plays the titular character. He's a Marine veteran and a New York cop who's recruited as a secret agent against his will, but the real star of this movie is Joel Grey. Now, in a casting move that would totally not fly today, Gray plays this ancient Korean martial arts master who trains Ward's character, and he steals every scene he's in. Also, there's some Wilford Brimley thrown in there, plus the pre-Captain Janeway Kate Mulgrew as uh, Ward's sidekick slash love interest. Now, if you remember anything at all about this movie, it's probably the big set-piece fight on the scaffolding around the Statue of Liberty, which was uh, being refurbished at the time that this was shot. It's kind of a shame that we never got the other two movies that Ward had been contracted to do as well, but at least we have one fun American James Bond movie to enjoy in the middle of the night. Number 10, 1987, Raising Arizona. This is an early Coen Brothers film. It's their first comedy, and it stars Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. That should be enough to sell it to you, but uh, since I have some more time to fill, I'll throw in a few more details at no extra charge. Now, Cage and Hunter play a married odd couple. He's a recidivist, small-time convenience store robber, and she's a former police officer. Now, they're unable to conceive a child, so they hatch a plot to kidnap one of the quintuplets from a local furniture, sh- uh, furniture store chain owner and his wife. John Goodman is in there as one of uh, Cage's escaped con buddies. Uh, Frances McDormand is nearly unrecognizable as the wife of Cage's foreman at work. And Randall Tex Cobb does some of his best work as a bounty hunter trying to track down the baby for the reward. You'll either love it or you'll hate it. There's really not going to be any middle ground on this one. The bonus round, 1990, Quigley Down Under. 
If you know me at all, you know that I'm one of those pedantic jerks who insists that since there was, since there was no year zero, the 80s started with 1981 and ended with 1990, so this movie sneaks in under the wire. Yes, I know that this is the third Tom Selleck movie on my list, but it's peak Selleck. He plays an American sharpshooter who responds to a job offer from an Australian rancher who's played by Alan Rickman. This was Rickman's first film after his debut in Die Hard, and he absolutely chews the scenery in every shot he's in. No spoiler here, he turns out to be a bad guy who wants Selleck's character to shoot aborigines who are in the way of, of his plans for expansion, but are increasingly elusive and his own men can't capture and kill them. Of course, this is not how Quigley rolls, so the rest of the movie sets up a final confrontation between the two of them. There's a lot of technically accurate Sharps rifle foo, uh, Laura San Giacomo plays a crazy person, and it's probably the best Western movie ever set outside of the American West. So that's my Insomnia Theater playlist right there. Most, if not all of these, can be found on various streaming services for free, and I'll stick affiliate links to the ones that are available on Amazon, Amazon Prime videos in the notes. In the interest of complete disclosure, I get a couple of cents per rental if you end up going that route. So, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please check back again next Friday for a new installment. And in the meantime, try and get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs>